0: I do believe we're in a new season and um, I do believe we're in God's, um, you know, gifted us or whatever you want to say, a new level of grace and anointing for this season to, to help us to communicate to the church, to help us equip the church. I really do believe it. And some people have ears to hear and catch it. Some people don't. But I would encourage you to open your heart in this season. I believe heaven is open. All things are possible with God for those who believe. So um, I'm doing a series now called Equipped for... Okay, this year we're looking at growth, looking at growing. We're we're all called to to follow Jesus, to be disciples, and we're looking at equipped for. And uh, I'm looking at equipped for your week, but really, this is is equipped for anything. This is equipped for your job, it's equipped for church, it's equipped for uh, anything in ministry, it's equipped for life. And this morning, I want to share a little bit about, really, it's the... It's the principles that we can apply in our lives, but also some of the things that we need to watch out for that actually block us on our journey. Because we're very, you know, in church life, I kind of like to be an optimistic, positive person. I'm like that. I have bad days. You know, I offload sometimes to those around me because I'm a bit frustrated. But generally, I like to be a positive person and we like to talk about faith in the church, that all things are possible, but we don't like to talk about the things that stop us. So I want to talk today about some of these things that stop us on the journey. They're like rocks on the journey. You'll get to a crossroad and you decide, is this thing going to stop you or are you going to carry on on this journey? And they want to slow you down. I'd call them thieves and robbers. And we don't want thieves and robbers, do we? Do you want to live a fulfilled life for Jesus? The Bible tells us that Jesus promises life to the full. Okay, So he wants you to live a fulfilled life. And you can live a fulfilled life with Jesus. But there are some things that will come and fill you that will stop you on your journey. So I'm going to introduce you to someone in a moment. And before I do that, you know when you go on a journey, you know where you're going. So you know what you've got to take with you, don't you? So if you're going on holiday, you know sun cream. Well, I do because I've got a bald head and I'm like that. I'm, within a second, I only have to go outside and I'm burnt on top of the head. Spills me weak. But you know, you know when you're going somewhere, you're like, I'm going on holiday, so I'll pack this, 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 and this. And you put all those things in the bag because you know where you're going. But then you say, well, there's some things I don't want to put in the bag because I don't really need a woolly coat in Spain. Did anybody watch X Factor last night? Some of the guys on there turned up. They thought they were going to Ireland because they were with Louis. They turned up with coats, and they actually ended up somewhere really, really warm. Where was it? Ibiza right? Because so it all matched. They all turned up with their coats on and singing with coats on in Ibiza just because it all went and it wouldn't go without the coat. What's that about? But you know, when we're going somewhere, we know what we need to take. And God has given us something for this journey. God has equipped you for your journey. He has given you a purpose in this world. He has given you a talent. He has given you a gift. He's given you his word. He's given you his son, He's given you his spirit. He has given you everything you need to live life to the full. He can't give you any more for the journey that you are on. You've just got to discover it on a daily basis as you follow Jesus. Does that make sense? So you've got everything. He's poured it out. He's given it to you. But there are some things on your journey that you won't want in your bag. I'm going to introduce you to someone in a moment, and um, these people have been involved. Sorry, not people. Th- th- They've been involved in ministry. They've been involved affecting hundreds, thousands, millions of people, not just in this city, but around the world. And they have carried the load. These, these guys have been involved in carrying the weight for years and years. But then what happened with them is they came to a point where Because times change and styles change and, you know, society change, they came to a point where they're not really needed anymore because there was the new that came through and they felt rejected. Am I making sense? You're thinking, who are they, aren't you? So I'm going to introduce you. So let's be sensitive to them because they've been on a journey, but I believe that they've come to a crossroads and they've carried some stuff that they shouldn't carry, but I believe God hasn't finished with them yet because I don't believe God finishes with anybody on this journey till the day they die, okay? And these people have come to a bit of a stop in their journey because they've taken some things on board, but I believe in them, and I think the church should believe in them again to affect this nation. Can you, can you pass me who I'm going to introduce you to this morning? This is a bag, right? But it's not any old bag. You'll be impressed with this. This is the shopping trolley that for many years was effective in this world. Time, week in, week out, they went to the shop, they picked up the shopping, they carried it back, nobody complained about them. They had a purpose, they had a use and each week they went backwards and forwards doing the job they wanted to do until the plastic bag came along and robbed them of their fulfilment and their purpose in this world. Because something came along and said they don't have value and, and worth anymore. They felt rejected. No use. Didn't believe in themselves anymore. <sighs> thinking, hey, are you thinking? You were expecting some international ministry person, weren't you? Hey, you put them up there, and it's the bag. It's the trolley. But I think the trolley's making a comeback because the plastic bag we don't want it anymore because it's ruining the world. We put them up there on a pedestal and thought, wow, plastic bags. Look how useful they are. I don't even have to take them out. They fit in my pocket. Woohoo! And then we realize we're destroying fish in the world. So the, the bag is on its way back. The bag's got a purpose. And I think that's like some of us sometimes. We feel we've rejected or we feel like we're no good or we feel we've got no purpose. And what's my purpose? And God says, I've got a purpose for you. I've got a plan for you. You just got to get on board with me. Well, there are some things that are in your bag that need to be empty because if we took this bag to the shop full, you'll like me walking, (laughs) right? We took this bag to the shop full, what's the point in getting to the shop with a full bag? It's not going to fulfill its purpose full. So we need to make sure it's empty of some things. And if you want to live a fulfilled life with full of God, there are some things that we have to empty out of our lives that are not God so that he can pour through you as an empty vessel. Jesus says you want to live life to the full, then there's some things that you have to give up. You have to lose your life in order to gain life. He's not talking about doing nothing with your life. He's on about having God poured in and through you and experiencing God on a daily basis so that God can use you as a vessel to be effective in this world so that you understand you have purpose and meaning and are here for God in this world. Does that make sense? But there are some things when I say, I'm oh, feeling and I, I, I'm not, I'm not them things that need to be eradicated, them things need to be removed. We can talk faith, we can talk talent, we can talk gift, but you know there's something sometimes that's stopping you engaging fully in what God's got for you or if you're full on for God now I will guarantee along the way there are some things that will try and stop you there are some rocks that will get stopped dropped on your journey to try and stop you say no I'm fine I'm in church I'm all good look I've had my moments in church where it hasn't always been good and it's tried to rob me of continuing on my journey of faith okay So do you want to look at what these are so that you can get them out of your life and be an empty vessel so that God can use you again and again and again on the journey? That you're not rejected, but you have a purpose. God's equipped you for your week, but there are some things that you need to remove out of your life so that you can live a fulfilled life. Is this okay this morning? It's good, isn't it? I really do apologize for a lack of, you know, international ministry, but I think you can learn more from this bag than you can sometimes for... An international minister. No, no, don't don't disrespect international. That's really wrong. (laughs) But God can use a donkey. You can use a bag. Come on, (laughs) come on. Right though, these are five things I said that can weigh you down. They're they're like thieves and robbers. They'll come to steal from you. You got to watch out with, with how they're affecting you, how they're affecting your journey. The first one is laziness. Laziness comes to rob you. Of a fulfilled life. You didn't think it was going to be that, Robert, did you? <laughs> laziness. If, if, if I'm honest, I, I don't think we all... I think there's hard work in all of us and we all want to do well. I, I, I don't think anybody that I come across really is, is lazy. When I say laziness, you think of people doing nothing. I don't think there's people in this world that don't want to do Nothing. They might do other things, but they don't do nothing. I read a poem. It's an anonymous author. I do apologize for some of the language because it's quite old. It's an old poem. So it would have been better with probably iPads and stuff like that in it. But just, just bear with me as I read this poem. I've gone for a drink and sharpened my pencils. Search through my desk for, for forgotten utensils. I mean, who has utensils now in their desk? I reset my watch. I adjust my chair. I like doing that one. Does anybody else see that? Anybody in the office? Adjust your chair. It's just not quite right. I'll just move it up again. Back a bit. Oh, that's better. I've loosened my tie and straightened my hair. What are you laughing at? I've filled my pen and tested me the blotter. I mean, that's all language. I remember as a kid we had blotters on the desk, right? And pens that you have to fill with ink at school. And how much time I wasted filling that pen up. It's like, oh yeah, I can't sorry, sir. I'm filling my pen up again. Fill it up, fill it up. Get it full. It's not full. It's like, oh, full. doesn't matter. It needs to be full. And you put it, fill it again. I've gone for a drink of water. I think it says water, so it rhymes a blotter, but I'll say water so we understand. Adjusted the calendar and raised the blind. I've sorted the erasers of all different kinds. I used to love doing that. Going to partners, get a bag of erasers, different colours, and I'd put them all out. Is it just me? Or in your pencil box, you get it all out and you put it all back in again, just the right way. Now, down to work, I can finally sit. Oops, it's too late, it's time to quit. (laughs) How many of us are distracted? How many of us are doing? I remember, you know, when I first started preparing preachers, I'd go home and I'd be like, this is before I was on staff, right, I've got to put some time beside to, to do the preach. And I'd go home and I'm like, got to do the preach. And I'm like, I'll just have a piece of toast first. I'll, I'll do it in a minute. And then it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll just go and check that again. I'll go upstairs. I need a shower, actually. I'll have a shower. I'm going to do it in a minute. And then I go downstairs. like Actually, I'm hungry again. I need to have some lunch first. Then I'll start. How many of us do that? How many of us are distracted? Today, phones. Oh, my word. Phones there constantly, aren't they? I'll go up now and I'll prepare a preacher in my office. I'll sit there, do some study. And, I'll, and all of a sudden, my phone will ping. Ping. And I'm like, boom, what's that. I'll just look on Facebook, Facebook. And then I'm looking at something. And the next minute, I'm looking at a dog in a field that's spinning round. And I'm watching it. I'm like, why am I watching a dog spin round in a field? What happened there? It's there, though, isn't it? Ping. And you're like, turn my phone off, put it outside. Sarah, just go put it in a bucket of water or something, not a bucket of water, put it in something, get it out of the way. I don't think people really are lazy. I think people are distracted. Let's read Proverbs 24, 30 to 34. It says, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, or uh, too much time on the iPad. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed robber. One version says like a bandit. We think sometimes, why, what, what's happening? Why, why have I got all this stress? Why have I got all these problems? And I think sometimes we put it on ourselves. Why is it so stressful at Christmas? Well, I do my shopping Christmas Eve. <laughs> right? I put it off. Till Christmas Eve. Or why am I getting all this pressure about the bills? Well, if you'd have paid the bills straight away, instead of putting them in the drawer and saying, I'll come back to them later, you'd have freed your head up a little bit and you'd have been less stressful and less pressure and you'd have more headspace to do other things as well rather than putting things off. I think it's a thief and a robber in the church and in people's lives. Would you agree? So I don't think it's a problem with, People not doing anything, I think the problem is distraction, that we're actually doing other things that are not important. So the word really is procrastination. Procrastination. It's doing other things than actually the most important thing that you should be doing or the critical thing you should be doing. You do all these other things instead of doing the thing that you know you should do. You put it off. Therefore, it comes like a thief and robs your life of living a fulfilled life. Laziness gets in to our lives. So how do we solve this? How do we nail this robber? How do we chain it up and put it, kick it out of our bag so it doesn't rob us of a fulfilled life? It's really simple. Do it now. Stop messing around. Do it now. Come on, do it now. What's the thing that you should do? Do it now. Coursework, do it now. That person who needs something, do it now. Stop messing around, do it now. You will eradicate that robot out of your life if you do it now. I've started doing this at home, right? I started doing it with the dishes. Because you, you do and you like, oh, just sit down and I'll do them in a minute. And that minute is no better than the minute that you put it off. So I've started saying, and I'm not perfect at it, and I'm trying, I'll say, I'll just do them now. Do the dishes and then they're done. And it doesn't start in the big things, it starts in the small things. And you know when I, saw, I first saw somebody do this instantly, was when I was around Michael Sidley's house. And he'd be talking to me. Don't say men can't do multitask. He'd be talking to me and doing the dishes that we've just had, and he'd get them done and he'd nail them. And I thought, what a great quality that is. Do it now. Have a do it. Listen to this one. Bins, right? There's a thing going on with me and Sarah and putting bins out. And I'll just dip into it a little bit. I'm getting better, but I forget to do it. I put it on my phone. I, I am better I'm improved, right? And the other week I'm like, right, I'll just do it now. I saw the bin, I'm like, do it now. I'm trying to use that mentality, do it now. I'll put the bin out, it's the blue one with all the recycled stuff. So I put the bin out, we go to work and uh, I had to nip back to pick something up. So I nip back and I'm like, I'm on this. Do it now thing. So I'll put the bin back now. And I'd seen the bin, men. So I put the bin back because I'm doing it now, right? And I get the bin back and I go back out and I'm like, I nailed it today. Sarah's going to be chuffed with me. I nailed the bin. I'm one step ahead. I've done it. Then I get a phone call. Have you been home? Yeah, babe, I've been home. Did you put the bin back in? Yeah. Did you check it? No. It's full. It's okay, though, because I put it out again. I'm trying with do it now. But sometimes we need a bit of wisdom with Do it now as well, don't we? Sometimes we need a bit of patience. I want it now. Well, it doesn't work like that. We need to grow in a bit of patience and check that actually the bin is empty when you put it back in. She nailed it, though. So that's the first one, laziness that you don't want in your bag. Get rid of it. Nail it. How do you nail it? Do it now. Come on. Can you imagine the church? We say, right, we're going to do this, and everyone goes, right, we do it now. Can you imagine the church equipped to mobilize like that, with that? Laziness out of their mind, out of their attitude. Right, we can do this. Let's do it now. I think that's a great quality to put into your life. The second one is this, fear. Fear comes to robbers of living a fulfilled life. David experienced fears, but he didn't let them stop him being who, he want, who God had called him to be. He takes down Goliath, intimidation, a bully to, 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 to you know, put him into insignificance that he's no one. Yet David knew who God was and he nailed the giants and he fulfilled what God was asking him to do. Fear will stop you and rob you of God's plan and purpose in your life, whether that's in, in a job, whether that's in a relationship, whether that's in business. Oh, I dare not have a go at that. So how do we conquer fear? I've done some teaching and preaching on this. You can go back and check it out. So just briefly, to nail fear, to get rid of it, to get it out of your bag, it's simply this, a willingness to face it. You have to have a heart that says, okay, the fear's there, but I'm going to be courageous enough and face it. In other words, I'm still going to have a go even though I've got my fears. And, and I'm sure this bag has its own insecurities as it begins to compete with the plastic bag again. But it's not going to let that put them off because they're making a comeback. <laughs> the bag is back. So fear is one that can rob you. Let's get it out of our lives. Let's have courage in our lives. Let's be a people that are prepared to take a risk and have a go. And say, do you know what, let's do it. Let's face our fears. And then the third one, so that's laziness, fear. The third one, which I think is one of the big robbers. I think this is the one that gets into the church, gets into believers, is unbelief. Unbelief. And you say, well, I'm a believer. Yeah, you are a believer. But I know myself, I've, I've wrestled with Unbelief. I've had unbelief in my life. Since becoming a pastor, I've had unbelief. I've had doubts. I've had my being double-minded on stuff. And it almost stops you in your tracks to think, can I actually do this? Is this what God's asked me to do? Can I believe in myself again? Does God actually believe in me? Is he a good, good father? Do I actually believe what the word says? Is he a good, good father? Does he really love me? Does he really believe in me? What is that about? That's unbelief. That's you saying, do you know what? These things are there, and I'm going to face this unbelief and get rid of it. I don't want it in my life anymore. God has given you faith. He's given you belief, but we have to watch out for unbelief. Stops you committing to the church. Stops you serving in the church. Stops you giving your all into the church. Stops you telling people about Jesus because you're scared. Because if people reject me and I'm... you know, what do I look like? What's that? It's unbelief that we have to get out of our lives. That even though people reject me, Jesus will never reject me. Unbelief. Romans 12 verse 3 says, God has given us, all of us, a measure of faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. Well, God has given you faith, so maybe he's pleased with you. Would you agree? We can't, be, we can't please God ourselves, but in our own strength. But in our weakness, we ask God, who has given us faith. Now, I know it ple- It says it pleases God when we outwork that faith, and we need to outwork that. But God has given you faith. You have faith, you can believe, because God has given you a measure of faith in your life. The problem isn't faith, the problem is unbelief. Let's read about Jesus dealing with some unbelief. He's still there this morning. Nine, Mark 9 this is a story where the disciples try and heal a boy who's got a spirit that's dumbed him. He can't speak. The boy can't speak, and the father doesn't know what to do with him to the point where the spirit has manifest and it's thrown him into fire and it's made him look like he's dead. He's, he's having convulsions. It's a real, you know, it's affected this family. It's a, dis, it's a distraught father, and he doesn't know what to do. So he goes to the disciples, and the disciples try and heal him you know, in the name of Jesus, but they can't heal him. So he comes to them again. He comes to Jesus, and Jesus is like, what's up with you generation? You generation of unbelievers, right? That's, that's kind of where it is. And then let's read 24. And then the father comes, sorry, 24. So what happens here is Jesus has come to the father, and, and the father said, you know, Jesus says to him, if anything is possible for those who believe, and, Jesus, and, and then he says to the father, he says to Jesus this, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So what happens is, the father has belief, yet he has unbelief. The church has belief. You have belief. But sometimes we have unbelief, we have doubt, we have disappointment, we have discouragement on the way and it affects us. And we're like, I have faith, Jesus, but I have unbelief. I have doubt. I have questions. So I struggle then to fully engage. I struggle to be an empty vessel who's open to your kingdom, open to open heaven to be poured in and through me because of this blockage called unbelief. So what is the point of Jesus here teaching and going to this man? We say, well, it's about healing the boy, which it is, and the father in his unbelief. But more importantly, the lesson wasn't just for the father. The lesson was for disciples. And the disciples struggled to do it. And and, and Jesus' name and the power, he struggled. They couldn't struggle. They struggled with their own unbelief. And what the lesson was this? Jesus was teaching the disciples to deal with their own unbelief. You know, and as a disciple, we face problems, we face trials, we face difficulties. And you think, why is this happening to me? Why has this gone on in my life? And I believe this. God could just change it like that. But God says this, you know what? This incident can teach you to cast out your unbelief. It can cast the very obstacle, the very challenge that you're facing, the very disappointment, the very discouragement, the very thing that's happened to you can be used for good. It can teach you to cast out your unbelief so that you can be fully in to what I'm calling you to do. And then sometimes we think, you know, why is this happening? What is that? Jesus saying, come on, I'm teaching you something. Come on, I'm teaching you something. I'm not going to flick a switch and it just happened. I want to teach you as a believer to stand on your faith and cast out unbelief. Oh, Jesus, do it for me. Yeah, okay. To a point, Jesus casts out the unbelief of the boy. And then he says, I'll teach the disciples to cast out their unbelief. So how does he say it's cast out? It says through prayer and fasting. Oh, we don't want to talk about that one, don't we? How are we going to be a church that has the faith? I'm believing for this church to grow. I believe God's given us faith for this church to grow. Individually, but as a church, there's something on us. But we're going to face some challenges along the way. We're going to face some unbelief. I know I've had to face some, and we're going to face some. Can we actually do this? Is it possible? Is God going to grow the church? Does God want to grow the church? Well, I believe he does. And it's up to us to deal with our unbelief and get on board with his plan And say, do you know what, God? All things are possible with you. And Jesus said to the Father, if anybody believes, all things are possible. And he says, okay then. He talks to Jesus. Conversation. Prayer. Jesus, help me with my unbelief. He goes to Jesus. How are we going to deal with unbelief? We go to Jesus in prayer and if you need to, in fasting, to deal with the thing that has a grip on your life, to believe what God's calling you to do, I know we don't like fasting, but sometimes fasting is needed to cast out the unbelief, so that, that so that it can it can be shrunk like a disease, because that's what it's like. It's like a poison that gets into people's minds and into their faith. Are you still with me this morning? I um, I had a few a, a car about. new car about five years ago. And um, I went to the garage, filled up, drove up the road, and the car broke down. You know what's going to happen. You know what happened. I broke down, and I'm thinking, oh, my car's broke down. It's a new car. Stupid people who sold me this car. You know, I've had a new car. God, why are you making my car break down? Right? I'm blaming God for the car, right? What's that about? Take it to the garage. Sort it out. And I broke down, and I'm thinking, oh, and all of a sudden, the thought came to me, you know what I'm going to say, it's a diesel car, not an unleaded, I'm like, that was 55 pounds worth of petrol I've just put in, because I used to go to the lower of the low, and I still do sometimes, <laughs> I'm on empty, I put 55 pounds worth of petrol in, and then I put, you know, diesel, it's diesel, I can't remember which way it was around, but I put the wrong one in, and all of a sudden it came to me, and I rang the AA, hi mate, you all right, yeah, I think I've put the wrong petrol in, And they turn up, take my car, and then they flush it all out, and it got sorted. But that's like unbelief. God's given us the engine. He's given us who we are, but we take on the wrong fuel sometimes that gets into the system, and it's like robbing you, and it stops you in your tracks. And it's our job to say, do you know what? What's going on in my mind? Am I a believer or what? Am I fully committed or what? So we have to go to Jesus. We have to seek him in prayer and fasting. But the other main thing that we have to do, because otherwise, if you don't do this, nothing will happen. You have to commit again. There's no other way. You know, I've said this before. When I met Sarah, I loved Sarah. I I met her and I fell in love with her. But because I'd had baggage in my bag, I then had to recommit again and say, do you know what? I'm going to have to believe in love again. Does love really work? Because I didn't feel loved when I was rejected. Is it going to work again? And we have to go again. We have to say, Love never fails. Here I go. Will I get rejected? Will I get hurt? Possibly in the future again at some point. But you know what? Love never fails. God never failed. Love never fails. So we'll love again and we'll love again and we'll love again and we'll love again. And I'm back on track, Jesus. I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep forgiving. I'm all in again, Jesus. All my eggs are in your basket, Jesus. I didn't understand why that happened, but Jesus, I'm all in again. And you know what happens? It'll cast out your unbelief. You try it. You take that step of faith. You may be thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm a believer and I've got these questions. Yeah, you might have questions. Great. But here's the deal, if you jump in all eggs in, your, in the one basket, I'll guarantee you'll see change. But if you hold back with your doubt and your unbelief, it'll continue to rob you of living God's plan and purpose. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before God and say, well, I didn't quite believe God. And, you know, I know you died for me and gave Your life, but I didn't really believe in it. So I want to be someone who's all in. And there's wisdom with that. But in your heart, if you're not all in, If unbelief is niggling away at you, it will stop you on your tracks. Just like when I put the wrong fuel in. And there are practical things you can do. Get around good people, right teaching. Get accountability in your life with what you're talking and what you're saying. You know, put yourself under God's authority so that you can, you know, be teachable again. But you've got to put all your eggs in one basket. And if needed, prayer and fasting may be needed. So that's number three. I thought it was a good one. Get rid of that poison out of your life. You don't need it. Right, number four then. And this is a baby, this one is. You are a master at this and I'm a master at it. Excuses. Oh, I've got some of these in my bag. I was a primary school teacher for 10 years, right? Kids are brilliant at them. Where's your homework, Johnny? Dogs at it. Dogs at it. Yeah? Dogs at it. You haven't even got a dog. Dog's at it. And and then they come the next week. Where's your homework, Johnny? Dogs at it's here. And I'm like, one week, okay. But two weeks. I'm like, Johnny, stop putting your homework in the dog's bowl. Put it on the side. And then you have some that are quite genuine. It's really difficult. He's like, I stayed at my dad's this weekend and I left it at my dad's So you're like, oh, I feel sorry for them. And you're like, okay, that may be a genuine excuse. But then you find out he wasn't, he was his mum's, and then you're like, oh, monkey, right? We're masters at it, aren't we? We've got loads of excuses. I know I have. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. Oh, it's okay for them. They're really gifted and talented. But me, I can't do that. I can't get involved because what happens if I get rejected or what happens if I get hurt? We don't have the ability. You know, the problem with excuses is this. They kind of cover up, really, either our laziness or our disobedience. And it's for us to work that one out. Or we come with excuses which are really, it's like we go for comfort to cover up our laziness or our disobedience. I know sometimes I go for comfort. There's nothing wrong with comfort. But does it? comfort ourselves make us feel better in our disobedience and laziness that's the question all you know and God knows excuses are cheap and I don't think God's in the currency of buying excuses I don't think it's kingdom money I don't think it's kingdom principle where we'll get to heaven you'll say right just tell me your excuses again let's just tell me what happened right okay I think he's merciful, I think he's graceful, I think he loves us, but I don't think we can get round him with excuses. I don't want to be somebody who has excuses in my bag, I want to be somebody who's fully in and loves God and fulfills the purpose that he has for me in this world. So how do you eradicate excuses? When Jesus picked the disciples, he didn't look around and say, right, let me find the one who knows the Bible more than anybody No, not you, not you. Let me find some Pharisees. He didn't do it. He found people that wanted to learn. He founded people that were not, you know, that were not maybe feeling accepted, but were rejected by society. And this is what he said to them. And if you can grasp this, I think, and keep your eyes on this, it'll change your life. Jesus said to them, come, follow me. I will make you. He didn't look at excuses. He didn't look at your insecurities. He didn't look at the reasons why. He simply looked at Peter. He looked at the disciples and he said, come follow me, I will make you. How reassuring is that? That Jesus doesn't look at our excuses, but he says, come on, follow me and I'll make you along the way. I know the reasons we can come up with. I know there are doubts. I know there's stuff, but I want you to come and follow me and I will make you. There's no excuses in that from Jesus. He eradicates the excuses from them and simply believes in them, gives them a purpose and later commissions them to go out after he dealt with some of their stuff in their vessel. So I encourage you to take that on. Jesus says, come follow me, I will make you. Don't allow the excuses in your mind to think, well, I I can't do that. You can because Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you. How does he do that? He equips you. He gives you faith and he equips you by his grace Okay, he empowers you to do it. You say, Well, I feel weak. That doesn't matter. In your weakness, God's power will be perfected. Stop looking at your weaknesses, stop comparing yourself and look at Jesus that says, Come, follow me. Come on, there's more to this journey. Come, follow me. I will make you. It eradicates the excuses. I think that's good. So, excuses. Look at Jesus. He doesn't find any in you. He believes in you. And the last one is this. Rebellion. Sounds a really serious word, doesn't it? Rebellion in the church. <laughs> really intense. We you know, what is rebellion? Rebellion is simply, no, I'm not doing that. Or, no, I'm not doing it. And actually, God, I want you to fulfill my needs And I want to change you into what I want so that you meet my daily needs. Rather than saying, okay, God, what's your plan and how do I get on board with it? And in doing that, he will add to you and supply your daily needs. Does that make sense? But what we try and do, we say, no, I'm not committing. I'm not doing it. I'm not giving. I'm not not following Jesus. I'll come so far, but that's enough. And Jesus is saying, come on, follow me. I'll make you. And we go, no. Because somebody hurt us or something upset us or But it's simply this, with with rebellion, we have to look at ourselves and we have to go to God and we have to say, okay, God, I'm sorry, whatever's happened, but I want a yes in my heart now. I don't want a no. I don't want that attitude. I don't want that blockage, but I want it to be a yes. Because I want to trust in your goodness. I know things affect us in life, but God, I come again, I come again on this journey and say Yes, God. I come to serving. I come to giving. I come to loving. And I and I've maybe maybe you know sometimes we put ourselves back because people hurt us and say, "Okay, I'm going to go again. I'm going to say yes and step out and love people and receive people." You know, not not sacrifice, not prayer. Nothing will do this apart from you. Your your choice to say yes to God. That's amazing. I find that amazing. That God gives us the power to choose with our hearts, with our attitudes, with our lives, what we do. He doesn't force us. He doesn't manipulate us. He demonstrated it through the cross on how to live your life by giving your life. And then he says, come follow me. I will make you. How awesome is that? But it's our choice. We can either say yes or we can say no. I'm going to finish with this. Psalm 18. I love this scripture. are you okay this morning? I know the negative and I know the things, but I think they're really helpful to stop us if we watch out for them and get these thieves and robbers out of our lives. And it comes down to us, it's our choice. Am I gonna have rebellion in my life? Am I gonna have excuses in my life? Am I gonna you know, have laziness in my life? Am I gonna have unbelief in my life? Or are we getting rid of it so that I can live for God? And, and look at what God says here in Psalm 18. He says, he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. You see, when we say yes to God, when we respond in obedience and do what God's asking us to do, when we eradicate and ask Jesus to remove our unbelief by putting our eggs all in the basket again, this is what he does. We think we're going to lose something, but it eradicates all the stuff that's in our lives that's not good for us, and it creates space. It, it freezes up in our minds when we, when, when we don't put things off and procrastinate because we know we've done them and our minds are free. We've got space in our minds. When we re- remove the excuses, it frees our mind up again because we have no excuse. Oh, all them excuses, that I had, they're all gone that I've been working through in my mind. I'm now free. I've got a spacious place. Why? Because God loves you and God delights in you. Jesus died on the cross to conquer your fear so that the love of God could enter our hearts so that we can have peace with God and know that he loves us. And it creates a space in our hearts, a place of freedom that only you can discover in God. I can't give you that. Only you can discover it through putting your faith in God, believing in him, saying yes to his love and his forgiveness and being a follower of Jesus Christ and I don't know where you're at with all this you know in terms of finishing off I, I just think it would be good for you to make a decision on one of these areas of your life and we can all get better and empty things out in order that we can have more of God see what's the one thing that I've said from here that you know you can do this week maybe it's excuses maybe you're good at coming up with excuses and God's saying come on let's remove them just come follow me you can do it or maybe it's unbelief and you need some self belief you need to believe that god believes in you and you need to put your eggs all in his basket or it's laziness or not you know not focused not doing what you should do and that's the thing that you say do you know what i'm going to do this and nail it i'm going to be a person who does it now or it's simply rebellion where you've been saying no maybe because of things that went on. And it's time to say, God, search me and know me. Forgive me, Father. Forgive me for doubting your goodness because of what goes on in the world or in the church, wherever it is. And I come back to you and I say, yes, again. We have to do it, church. We have to do it daily. We have to do it weekly. We have to do it for the rest of our lives we have to keep coming back to God and saying yes when things happen to us. And maybe you're here, you know, and, and you've never said yes to God. And I'm going to pray and give you opportunity for you to respond. The rest of you, I would, I would encourage you to go away and say, what's the thing I'm going to do this week? Speak to somebody. This is, this, this, is, this is what you need to do. Don't just go away and think it, but tell somebody. Believe it in your heart and confess it with your lips and say, this is what I'm going to do and be accountable for it. I'm going to be a now, do it now person. I'm not going to procrastinate anymore. I'm going to be an all-in person. And confess it with your lips before God and then outwork that with your life and I'll guarantee it will change you as you do that. So maybe you're here for the first time and you don't know Jesus or you've been coming and maybe... You've, you've committed before, but things have happened in you. This is between you and God. So let's just bow our heads, and I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite the band up. You know, God loves you. God loves you with a, with a love that's unconditional. He doesn't look at the excuses. He doesn't look at the sin and think, you're not good enough. He's paid for that sin. And he wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to know that he believes in you. He wants you to know that he's spurring you on. But you know, the only way we can do that is if we accept Jesus Christ. We accept the love of the Father. So I'm gonna pray, and maybe you're here, and you need to accept God again, and say, okay, God, it's a yes from me. I thank you that you forgive me. I wanna start again. Or you do it for the first time, and say, do you know what, today, I'm going to accept Jesus in my heart, that he loves me, that he forgives me, and he offers eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. And if that's you, I just want you to pray this in your heart. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me. Today I say yes to you. I thank you that you forgive me. Father, I thank you that you are good, and I choose to follow you today. Amen. Amen. So I hope that's helpful, you know, and hopefully we'll see some people with a shopping trolley. Go on, go and buy a shopping. It's just not cool, is it? Sorry. <laughs> right? But I want to encourage you, maybe you've had disappointment before. Come on, let's get back up. Let's carry on for this, with this race. God's got a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for your life and he wants you to fulfill it.